Have you ever longed for a five-star sleeping experience right in your own bedroom? Hey, it's Bill Bennett. I want you to discover the secret to luxurious sleep with Cozy Earth's bamboo sheet set. It was endorsed as one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018. Now, please excuse the superlatives, but they're deserved. Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced temperature-regulating bamboo viscose bedding is a game changer. Our bedroom now feels like a lavish retreat with Cozy Earth's comprehensive collection. It's not just sheets, folks. It's also pillows and blankets. And each night that you lie on these is a kind of regal invite into a kind of kingdom of comfort. See the superlatives? One almost feels wrapped in style every night, making each sleep a five-star experience. Mrs. Bennett Elaine agrees as well. The comfort of Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced bedding is, in our experience, unparalleled. It's a blend of classic charm and modern luxury. So don't just sleep. Indulge in a realm of comfort with Cozy Earth's premium bedding collection. Now, here's a special treat. Cozy Earth is offering an exclusive discount for my listeners today. Get up to 40% off site-wide when you use the code BILLBENNETT at CozyEarth.com. That's discount code Bill Bennett. Please come explore CozyEarth.com for the latest in bedding and use the code Bill Bennett. All right, here we are. It's January. Happy 2024. Oh, boy, I don't know what to expect, Claude. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> right. And there's a lot going on and a lot that we can't really predict, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. Anyway, we want to welcome you back to our show, The Bill Bennett Show, thoughtful conversation about the news of the day to address the existential threats to America. Plenty of them. Joining us today, we're going to, let's take a look at the polls. You know, I usually ignore them, but we really like Sean Trendy. He's a, a senior election analyst for Real Clear Politics. Let's talk to him about Senate, House, and the presidency. But a few things Claude and I would like to discuss first. Claude? Yes, sir. Here we go. Here we go. It's a new yes. year. Here we go. Um, the border. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I mean, it is such a disgrace. Just people pouring in from all over the world. You know, what person is in what situation in what country that wouldn't be improved by coming to the United States? You know, I mean, right. almost everybody's chances are better, except ours. <laughs> Right. Right. And by the way, if I, you know, I don't want to, you know, tie in 2024 election, you know, politics into this, but I can't help but to think back uh, a few years ago, wasn't it the Biden administration that put Vice President Kamala Harris, um, Kamala Harris, the border was her thing, right? And I haven't seen anything done. Haven't even seen her, you know, for the most part, go to the border, even seem concerned about it or talk about it at all. Wasn't no, that her thing like years ago, a couple years ago, President Biden put her in charge of it. She's in charge. Right. And look what she's not done. Mm-hmm. I mean, she hadn't done anything. It's, it's, a, it's ridiculous. Uh, and it's so obvious what to do, you know, remain in Mexico policy, uh, forty Title 42. Uh, you know, it, it just go back to where how Trump had it. But, you know, the campaign begins today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Republicans should bang this drum about the border, but boy, I, I you know, I can tell you that by that first Biden uh, campaign stop will be about MAGA Republicans 
And uh, well, we'll talk to Sean Trendy about that. But anyway, I, I think the border thing is a is a disgrace. Well, not um, just that, but they can they can actually use uh, some Democrat mayor language against the Democrats. I mean, you look at what has been said in New York. You look at what's been said in Chicago by Democrats. Uh, you know, it's unacceptable, but it's funny because it's only acceptable when it's at your doorstep. Um, when it's in Texas, when it's in Arizona, they seem to not care. But when and, you know, not that I necessarily agree with busing migrants all over the country, but it's effective. Right. I mean, Texas, we, we, we'll send them to you. And since you're a sanctuary city, let's just see what happens. I'm trying to remember which city it is. I should probably look this up, but um, it might be Chicago where they are. They, I think it is Chicago where they are, they are taken off the ballot, whether or not Chicago should remain a sanctuary city or not. They don't even want the people to vote on it because they know that the people in the neighborhoods where they send the migrants yeah. want to vote against it. So they're taking that off the ballot in November. You cannot vote whether or not we're going to be a sanctuary city anymore. And so just use that stuff against it because it's obvious that they're wrong on this. And you know that they're wrong on it because if you had a better option, you would you would speak on it. You would say something about it. And they're not. Well, also, there's um, intergovernmental or inter intragovernor uh, arguments, not just uh, Greg Abbott and and you know uh, uh, people from the north. I noticed they have a bunch of immigrants came into New Jersey, and they immediately took them from New Jersey and put them on a bus to New York. <laughs> right. People in New Jersey, Democrat governor, they don't want them, mm-hmm. so they sent them to New York. So, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think there's a lot of dis, uh, disaffection and unhappiness about this among Democrats as well. But, um, you know, will this make a difference? I don't I don't know. Uh, I'm still concerned uh, mostly about what's going on in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've hit back a little bit on, on Iran, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't just taken the punches. We've thrown a few. Not enough, but um, we know who's behind these uh, – strafings or not strafings but these attacks on uh, our ships and others um and it's iran uh but uh full support here from from me of the idf uh the israeli military uh going after hamas uh, to the uh, west and uh facing uh hezbollah now to the from the north um and this thing can explode get bigger fast and uh, get up to world war status. Uh, this is really, really, really something. And we have to defend Israel. They believe in freedom. They believe in democracy. Um, it's, it's America's greatest support in that part of the world. And we just have to be so mindful of it. So I would say that's the main foreign policy question. Of course, competition with China. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we want to keep an eye on all that. Ukraine remains there. I it's not going anywhere. There's no win there. I, I don't see a win there. And uh, then I think the border at home, they're doing things to make the uh, economy seem better. Uh, I think interest rates will come down. I'm basing this on the opinion of people I know and trust, like Larry Kudlow, uh, and other things will happen that are positive um, so that the uh, Biden administration can claim credit for it. Your thoughts? On 2024, when we talk about domestic stuff, I want to see who's going to talk about crime. Um, I just saw a um, press conference yesterday with D.C. Mayor Mayor Muriel Bowser, uh, and it talks about the street vendor stuff. He says street street vending is decriminalized, and illegal street vending is now decriminalized. However, we understand the issues <laughs> that uh, illegal street vending causes, so we've got to do something about that. 
And she just kind of left it at that. And it's just so odd to me to see a lot of these people who are just kind of squirming in their seats where they know the right thing to do is to be tough on crime. And I understand it may affect a certain portion of the population more than others. But when you base everything on race and if we arrest this many of these sorts of people, then it must be. No, it's not. Whoever commits yeah. to crime, be tough on crime. Do what you've got to do with them. And but I do think there's got to be, you know, grace and rehabilitation in in the justice system as well for some people who, you know, uh, who grow up in some tough situations. And and I think sometimes um, becoming part of it is the way you cope and the way you su- survive. But at the same time, you've got to be tough on crime. You can't you can't take take everything that's illegal and then you know decriminalize it and think that's going to fix things. Because what about the businesses that are being robbed? What about the businesses that are leaving cities? And it does nothing but hurts the, hurt the people who yeah, yeah. Hey, you're trying to help. So I pick up on one of your points there, which is you, know, you can't say crime is down because you decriminalize formerly right. criminal activities. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and I think the biggest uh, increase in D.C. Uh, is uh, carjacking. Correct. I think yes. that's uh, still the highest percentage increase of any crime. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's 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 really you got to be very careful. You go downtown. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and I know that. Absolutely. So and, anyway, um, all right. Well, we'll uh, you know, we can do a little football too. Uh, both oh, my yeah. teams lost. Uh, my Texas team lost out Washington. That guy Michael Panic is a wizard. Yeah, he's. Good. I mean, the way he drops the ball into the receiver's hands, wherever it is, uh, he's great. I, can he prevail against Michigan? Big, you know, Michigan, pretty big favorites, four and a half points. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very strong, much stronger than I expected. Um, Alabama did not play well. Uh, Jalen, is that his name? Jalen, Jalen Milrow. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, did not play well. He was erratic. Um, I didn't and, like that uh, last call. I didn't like that last no, call. No, no, no. And, you know, and could I just say, uh, you know, you gotta have a center who can snap the ball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to you not have, you know, to bend down for it. Now that last call was, you know, on work at that line of Michigan was very tough, and um, you know, some kind of jump pass like what's his name, the uh, former Florida Tim guy, mm-hmm. Tim Tebow, that Tebow jump, yeah, might might have been good. Anyway, too bad for Texas, too bad for Alabama. Uh, I don't know who wins between Washington and Michigan. Uh, Michigan's heavy favor. I, I I might I might I might think Washington. I don't know. I'll have to think about that, but. Um, Boy, NFL, I'll tell you, one team really seems to stand out right now. Mm-hmm. And that's our neighbors to the north here, immediate north, Baltimore. Uh, the Ravens are very strong. Boy, they destroyed the 49ers, who had uh, previously destroyed uh, Philadelphia. Right. Uh, the Eagles. So uh, how about your Cowboys? What do you think? Well, I mean, they beat a commander's team that seemed to have given up. Uh, there's a lot of starters, or a lot of veterans who aren't going to play Sunday. They beat them. Uh, they get the gift that the Eagles gave them to win the NFC East. And then they play two playoff games at home. And I, I think that that, you know, but again, as a Cowboys fan, I've learned to be pessimistic and not put my hopes up in this team. They could lose Sunday. I, there's no way in my right mind I would think that they would lose this game. But being a Cowboys fan, I've seen it year in and year out. They were in a similar situation last year. And they lost. Who they the, played? The Commanders. Oh, and they where? were in, a, uh, in Washington. They That's were in a, a dangerous city. If you exactly. noticed Dallas, uh, they lose when they're, when they're away. They're three and five on the road, eight and zero at home. 
and they were eight, in a similar eight situation. Eight and zero at home, yeah. Yeah, there you eight, go. No, and they were in a similar situation last year where there were playoff seeding implications, and they all they had to do was beat the Commanders, who again had a losing record, and they came in and they lost by like three points or something. It was a horrible game, and I, I fear that that will happen again uh, this week. Although, again, the Commanders are sitting a lot of veterans, a lot of guys aren't going to play. This should not be a tough task for Dallas to come and win this and take the and take the East, and then with two home games in the playoffs. Who knows how it shakes out? They won't, yeah. they won't have to see the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. And with some luck, maybe maybe the 49ers don't make it. Who knows? So we'll see. Yeah. I've got, yeah, hope, the, I've got a little bit of hope, more hope than before, than, than years past. Look out for the Browns. Yes. Yes. Cleveland Browns. Sleeper team. Sleeper mm-hmm. team. Anyway. All Joe right. Flacco. Joe Flacco. He's not done I know. yet. Yes, <laughs> he as old as I am. I don't know. He's pretty, he's getting up there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's our that's our sports review. You're listening to the Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Have you ever longed for a five star sleeping experience right in your own bedroom? Hey, it's Bill Bennett. I want you to discover the secret to luxurious sleep with Cozy Earth's bamboo sheet set. It was endorsed as one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018. Now, uh, please. Excuse the superlatives, but they're deserved. Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced temperature-regulating bamboo viscose bedding is a game changer. Our bedroom now feels like a lavish retreat with Cozy Earth's comprehensive collection. It's not just sheets, folks. It's also pillows and blankets. And each night that you lie on these is a kind of regal invite into a kind of kingdom of comfort. See the superlatives? One almost feels wrapped in style every night, making each sleep a five-star experience. Mrs. Bennett, Elaine, agrees as well. The comfort of Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced bedding is, in our experience, unparalleled. It's a blend of classic charm and modern luxury. So don't just sleep. Indulge in a realm of comfort with Cozy Earth's premium bedding collection. Now here's a special treat. Cozy Earth is offering an exclusive discount for my listeners today. Get up to 40% off site-wide when you use the code BILLBENNETT at CozyEarth.com. That's discount code BILLBENNETT. Please come explore CozyEarth.com for the latest in betting and use the code BILLBENNETT. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Okay, joining us now, Sean Trendy, Senior Election Analyst for Real Clear Politics. So, Sean, uh, here we are, it's 2024. As we're speaking, I guess Joe Biden's going to begin his campaign. Uh, I think I know what he's going to say, but let's put let's put that off for a minute. Can you give me a sense? Can we talk about the House and Senate first? What do you think about the House of Representatives? What's your sense of how that will go in 2024? You know, I, I honestly think it goes the way the presidential uh, election goes, Um People still have their minds that were back in the 2010s where Republicans controlled redistricting everywhere. Um, and we're really not. The set of maps we have now, um, the big gerrymanders tend to cancel each other out. Uh, so we're going to have a situation where the, the middle seat in the House of Representatives isn't that far off the presidential vote share. So I think if Democrats, uh, if Biden wins, they probably get a small House majority. If Trump wins, they probably get a small House majority. Okay. All right. Senate. Um, Senate Democrats are in a, a in worse condition. You know, they they have fifty one seats with two independents caucusing with them. Um, 
you know, West Virginia's open. That's Trump won that state by 50 points. It's hard to yeah. believe, but that's a safe Republican pickup. Um, you know, if you told me that 20 years ago, I'd have, you know, yeah. for the loony wagon for you. But yeah, West Virginia delivered for John F. Kennedy, right? Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. It was Bill yeah. Clinton, one of Bill Clinton's best states. Yeah, um, that's right. And so now that's an easy pickup. So it, it it's a question of whether Democrats can hold on in Montana and Ohio. And even after that, they have some you know seats like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona. Um, that could be Michigan could be kind of dodgy for them. So I, I like Republicans chances, at least for now. So it ends up uh, Republicans 51, 52. I mean, if Trump ends up winning. You know, it could end up getting up like 54, 55, but I think 51, 52 is a safe bet. Even if Biden wins, Senate goes Republican? Probably. You know, I never, Probably. never underestimate the, the, the ability yeah. of the GOP to snatch defeat from the, or defeat uh, from the jaws of victory. But... I know. I know. I don't know what they're doing now. I don't know why they're doing all this impeachment stuff. It's not going anywhere. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I understand the frustration, the unhappiness. I understand border issue but i you know uh people want a solution to it they don't want to care about me or my orcas being impeached that's my sense anyway yeah i think that's right all right let's talk presidential um you know, see all these reports of uh biden's unpopularity and it's he he's pretty low right i mean it's 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 down pretty far um the satisfaction with him and people want him replaced democrats want him replaced Republicans would like to see him replaced. I don't. Is he going anywhere? No, no. Okay. He is the most unpopular president since we've started recording presidential popularity at this point in his presidency. Um, it's really bad for him. Um, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, I mean, I, we, you can, we can elaborate on that, but 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 here's here's the heart of the thing as I see it. Um least popular president since we've been recording these things. But then you get to a Trump-Biden matchup. And, you know, if I'm reading it right, you tell me, Sean. It comes out 44, 45, 42, uh, you know, 2.3-point Trump advantage. But, man, you know, that's not much. And they haven't started the campaign, which is going to be relentless about Trump as a t- dictator, a tyrant, MAGA, Republicans. Um, I mean, g- given all those negatives, you know, it, it, it's still the numbers when when you match up Trump and, and Biden uh, are pretty close, aren't they? They really are. You know, Trump is uh, leading Biden, which is something he's, we, I need to point out. It's something he never led Biden uh, in 2020. 2019. Uh, he only led Hillary Clinton a handful of times in 2016. So for him to be the the you know leading in poll after poll is pretty unusual. Um, but yeah, he probably makes it way closer than it needs to be. Um, yeah, that's straightforward. Uh, now, Biden's negatives are the lowest of a president since you've been recording it. What are Trump's negatives? They are actually better than before. Now, again, we need to throw out the kind of, you know, caveat that, you know, Trump's been kind of out of the news. Um, A lot of people don't 
remember exactly why it was that they really didn't like Trump. Um, and there's no doubt Biden's going to have a couple billion dollars to try to remind people of it. And Trump is likely to play his, do his own part reminding people of it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I was surprised there was a question, you know, did this person's policies make your life better or worse? And Biden, it was like 30, 70 against and Trump, it was like 50, 50. So, you know, he, he does better than I thought he would or should be doing. But there's still this, um, I just can't vote for Trump thing out there. Yeah. Uh, I'm with a lot of Republicans. I just can't vote for Trump. I mean, I know he's the overwhelming favorite, but, uh, you know, he's got to have every vote. He's got to have every Republican vote. He's got to have, what, more than half of the middle of the moderates, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he he does okay, um, but he doesn't have a lot of room for error. But then again, neither does Joe Biden. I mean, we need to remember that 2020 was decided by about 20,000 voters spread across three states. It was it – was yeah. yeah. You know, it was a really close election. And so um, in the in the Electoral College, which is what counts. Comment on this, because these things, because these are the things you hear in conversation on and things that I say. Uh, OK, you know, but they haven't started yet. And they, they the Democrats, are better at this game than we are, Republicans. Uh, you know, quite apart from whether they steal the election or cheat or, you know, stuff ballot boxes, or any of that stuff. Um, put that aside, though, you know, that could still happen in some places. Um, you know, uh, they, 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 they vote harvest. They get out earlier. They, I was, I was saying to somebody the other day, I wonder what they'll do now. I wonder what they'll do next. And lo and behold, here's this thing in Colorado. Take them off the ballot. Take Trump off the ballot. And then they do the same thing in Maine. I mean, you know, what the hell? Republicans are saying, well, the Supreme Court will, will fix that. I, I want to I I ask you about that, too. But, but but what do you think of what I just said? You know, I, I think there are definitely things in the execution of voting that Democrats do better than Republicans. And some of that is just Trump. I mean, running around telling people not he was actually affirmatively telling people not to vote early. Because their vote, you know, their it was cheating and their vote wouldn't count, you know, and it was like, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you because know, yeah. what happens is the people who are yeah. going to vote early on election day, they all of a sudden like their kids sick or they have a work deadline dumped on them or like you want people to vote early because once they voted, they voted. Um, but yeah, no, I think Democrats have the turn out, the ground game figured out better than Republicans as of right now. So if you have a close poll number. 44, 42 right now, something like that. Is that fair? Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Uh, they, they, and they play a much better game. And Biden will be portraying Trump in a certain way. And Trump will be fitting that portrayal in some ways. Um, you know, it, it looks very dangerous to me. It Trump. is. I mean, we don't uh, don't, you know, like I said, don't diminish the fact that Trump's been in worse polling positions before. And one slash made it very, very close. But um, that's exactly right. It, 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 he He's a gamble. You know, and I, I personally, I don't get the, the payoff that makes it worthwhile, but uh, it, it is a gamble. Now, you know, historically, Trump has tended to do better than his polling because he has a lot of supporters that don't answer uh, pollsters. But pollsters may have figured out a way ways to account for that. They're certainly trying 
Um, so yeah, it's definitely a dangerous position. Yeah. Let me go back to the court here. Uh, everybody's saying, well, Supreme Court will intervene on Colorado, Maine. Other states decide to do this. You can't be sure of that. I was one of those who, uh, you know, was hoping and believing the court would intervene last time when Pennsylvania, as you'll recall, uh, substituted uh, judges for legislators in picking electors. Remember that? And the Constitution says not supposed to do that. So I thought the court would intervene. Court never touched it. Yeah, I th- I actually think part of why they didn't intervene was because Barrett, right? They just had this huge controversy about you know how Ruth Bader Ginsburg was replaced, and they just didn't want to then step in and be perceived as influencing the election. But look on this ballot removal thing, they just have to weigh in i mean there there's no way they can you know it's a square it's squarely presented federal question um it has huge implications and i i i hear what you're saying but on something like this i just think i have very little doubt they're going to weigh in yeah well i've heard people say sean uh it's not only important for the court to step in it's important for a unanimous court to step in or a court to step in and speak unanimously on this so we put these kinds of things to rest yeah that would be the best i don't know that you'll get 9-0 on anything these days but yeah i mean i i think especially in the wake of dobbs um and the affirmative yeah. action decision the the liberal justices just aren't really in a mood to do conservatives any favors mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know let's talk let's talk about dobbs yeah. Uh, this will be a big issue, won't it? Abortion. Yeah, and it's tough. You know, maybe on the morality or principle of it, it's not tough for Republicans, you know. But, but from a political standpoint, the Republican position that Republicans have kind of had the benefit that they could take strong positions on abortion and say, well, but Roe makes sure that will never happen. Well, now they don't have that protection. We're talking about real laws with real world implications. And, you know, the the absolutist pro-life stance is not a terribly popular one. You got to change the culture uh, before you're going to get people to agree that abortion should never be legal, even in cases of rape. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it is it is a bit of a game changer. For, now, look, it, it, in 2022, Republicans still won the popular vote by three points uh, in a post-Dobbs world with a highly unpopular president, so highly unpopular Democratic president. So we shouldn't get too carried away. Um, it doesn't mean Republicans can't win, but the, to kind of reach their full potential, uh, they have to be smarter about how they talk about abortion. And they sure shouldn't talk about a federal law uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, well, what was the point of Dobbs if if you then turn around and say we're going to make a federal law? I mean, it didn't exclude it, but, you know, I, I've, I've believed for years, I'm a pro-life person, but I've believed for years the only, the only solution to the this most difficult problem in American politics uh, is to let states do it. And I think that was, you know, that's the, that was the right answer. But then to immediately say, nope, never mind, we, we're going to have a federal law saying 16 weeks, that would be, that's just crazy, seems to me. Yeah, I agree. You know, 
I, I've always believed one of the more appealing conservative arguments for me has always been, you know, federalism is good, laboratory mm-hmm. democracy. Yeah, um, yep, 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 you yep. know. But I think the bigger the bigger point, you know, I I am squishy on abortion, but I'm anti-abortion. Um, is you got is to convince people, right? Like, yeah, stop putting. You don't have to put effort into trying to get Roe overturned anymore. That's done. But you, you pro people who are anti-abortion need to convince other people that abortion is not just a like you know quesara sera type thing. Um, you know, you, you need to help people understand why you think abortion is bad because mm-hmm. absent that um you're you're not going to convince people even to accept a 16 week band yeah that's right that's right that's right claude I, I have other things but claude jump in please yeah sure i mean even to that point um where you know we talked about abortion here but bill and i even talked about the southern border um earlier in the show there's so many different things uh what do you think will be the based on some of the polls what's important to the american voter what do you think will be the hammer home issue for democrats this upcoming election and what do you think will be the hammer home issue for republicans this upcoming election like what do you think the main themes that we will see from both sides based on what seems to be important to the american people I will answer that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) At least I'll begin, and then we'll leave it to the expert. The Democrats, their main theme will be Trump, Trump, Trump. Yeah. It's going to be two things. Um, You know, there's going to be the question, are you better off than you were four years ago, is always the question. And the Democrats (laughs) and Republicans are going to have – the interesting thing is that for as unpopular as Joe Biden is, the Democrats don't have a terrible story, right? Like, schools are open. Um covid we don't think about they're it not anymore. Teaching, they're not teaching anything yeah they're not teaching i mean it's <laughs> they got all kinds of problems but but they're open uh and you know covid isn't something we think about every day and the economy inflation has stopped you know and they'll do the oh we still got more to do but that's going to be their argument is trump is going to say my god you're paying nine dollars for for a pound of bacon you know wasn't like that when i was president um and then there's going to be the like Trump, Trump, Trump. Like, do you really want to go back to that? And you know, I, I they they both have have plausible stories to tell. Which story you buy into, you know, uh, people will decide that for themselves. But kind of like trying to put take off my partisan blinders, my personal blinders, and uh, put on a you know analyst hat. They they both have a story to tell. Yeah. Claude? If the Republican field were to condense, would Governor Haley or Governor DeSantis have a real shot, or is this thing pretty much wrapped up with President Trump? That's a good question. Um, I think it's pretty much wrapped up. This latest Haley surge, I mean, we shouldn't get... She's definitely surging in New Hampshire. We don't know about Iowa. It's crazy. There have not been any Iowa polls since mid-December. So we don't know what she's doing there. Um, but you know, if Iowa ends up being surprisingly close and maybe she went, you know, Christie drops out, she wins New Hampshire. Um, you could have a race, but let's also oh, be clear. Uh, she's at like 11% in the national polls. I mean, she's got a to go. You think she could win New Hampshire? If Christie were to drop out and endorse her, I think she could win New Hampshire. Wow. Well, then my follow-up question to Claude's, uh, is would Haley or DeSantis, he seems to be fading, um, be a better candidate for, for Republicans to win. 
I think so. Yeah. Um, so. I so. think DeSantis is probably not much better than Trump because he, he lacks Trump's charisma. You know, he's kind of he just seems joyless. Huh? And that's part of why his campaign is faded. <laughs> Haley, I mean, I don't I don't know. You know, the, the trick with she's Haley, good. She's good. I mean, I didn't I did not start believing, but <laughs> watching her, she's very skillful in those debates, uh-huh. handles what these I, questions very well. Yeah. What I think Haley can do is force Trump to pick her as the vice president. Mm-hmm. And vice presidents don't usually matter. But this is a campaign where we're going to have a 78 year old guy who's not in the greatest health against an 82 year old guy who's not in the greatest health. I think people are going to pay more attention to the vice presidential picks this time than usual. And people kind of wait, ask, wait, 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 Trump's not in great health. I mean, the guy lives off of big Macs and, you know, <laughs> is, is you see that works. Yeah. Yeah. You see this. Look, he, he, I would say Trump is a young 78 and Biden's an old 70, uh, old 82, but like <laughs> you see the profile view of Trump and, and he's not, you know, he's not the healthiest cardiovascular specimen out there. There's a very is Trump, real is Trump 78. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's only four years I, younger than Biden. You realize that I thought he was younger. 70s. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, Finish. that's the, he, he, I mean, he's got a ton of energy, right? I mean, he, 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 yeah. he codes younger than he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've noticed like on the stump, he's not as sharp as he was 2016. He, uh, you look at the close ups of him now and he's, he really is looking, he looks old. Bottom line, I think, you know, Trump would be 82 at the end of his term. Biden would be 86. I think vice presidents would matter. And since Trump can't run, you know, the vice presidential slot is a signal like this is what comes after me. Um, and if it's Nikki Haley, I think a lot of people, I can say for myself, someone who is fairly never Trump, um, Nikki Haley would make me think twice as the vice president. So, You're yeah. never Trumper? I'm not. So there's never Trumpers who are like, Trump is evil. I have to organize and try to defeat him. And I've never been in that uh, that category. Um, but, you know, I, I, I came of age politically in the 80s and 90s, and I really bought into um, the Republican stance then about character mattering. And it's not that I necessarily go out and vote for Biden, but I just he's just such a he's a walking epitome of every se- of all seven deadly sins. <laughs> and I mean, you, you can go through the list like lust, gluttony, rage, envy, Um and, and I just I, I I I have a hard time affirmatively supporting that. Well, Biden's got huge corruption, thing, right? I mean, <laughs> huge. Yeah, that, that you know, proved Bill, yet, but, if, if I but, could though, to 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 that point, Sean, if you don't mind me asking, there's also a large amount of people I think who were anybody but Trump for the last election who might be second guessing that, especially if you were the Nikki Haley vice president, do you think that that group could grow that, that, that says, you know, four years ago I was anybody but Trump, but I don't like the the way the country's directed. And so maybe I take a second look. I think so. I, I don't think it's huge, but Biden has no room for error. Um, yeah. And this election is Biden's America, not Trump's. Um, and like you said, yeah. the border's falling apart. Uh, inflation, even if inflation tables off, I'm still paying, you know, six bucks for a happy yeah. meal for my kids as opposed yeah. to three. Um, you know, eat, there's a lot to consider. Taking your kids to eat where Trump eats. I just, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying right, that I don't yeah, have a gluttony yeah. problem. Yeah, all right, Sean. All right, I got you. All right. 
<laughs> well, McDonald's is hard to resist. That's amazing. <laughs> um, well, this movement of Hispanic and black, that the black vote does not have to move very much for Trump to win, like single digits. Is that true? Yes, that's right. That's right. Is it going that way? The polls suggest it. And this is an area of, as an analyst where I get a little bit lefty and I say, look, like I'm a, I'm an upper middle class white guy. I grew up in the suburbs without a lot of black friends. I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about how the black community approaches things. But I think one problem that GOP has had, you know, with people like Mitt Romney is that like they look like the boss. Right. Like they, they, they yeah. look like the Wall Street broker and Trump, even though he's rich, he codes like the working class kid that got rich. Um, and I just think some of the extreme left is the other thing that I, I kind of sense about the, the black community is they're more like meat and potatoes Democrats, not white progressive yeah, yeah. Democrats. Yeah. And I think that's broken through some, you know, the, the big, the, the simple task for Republicans has been to get conservative black voters to vote Republican. Yeah. Um, and we have seen in polling for a long time, especially among younger black men, and this is going back even to like 2012, not necessarily pro-Republican attachments, but less strong Democratic attachments. You know, now with younger black yeah, men, yeah. You're, you're two or three generations from the struggle and you're, you're starting a family and, you know, you, you've probably moved into the working class or middle class. Um, and that's all, all right. it takes is like 30 percent. Again, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. That's just a sense. All right. Well, all right. All right. Well, it's very honest of yourself, your self-description. But let's go to Claude, mm -hmm. who represents, in my view, the entire black community. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, no, Sean's 100 percent right. I mean, you know, just from people that I know, I mean, you know, and again, it's not a poll of a lot of people in the country. But I mean, people even here in, you know, liberal Maryland and liberal D.C., you know, they, they aren't loud about it, but there's a lot of people who are taking a second look that anybody but Trump's not it. One thing that Sean had said that is, you know, 100 percent on point is there are there are people who have, you said, two or three generations who are doing well, who are working, who are raising their families, uh, who look at crime in the cities, who are embarrassed by what others are doing. And 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 they relate to President Trump, not just in, and, and it turns some people off, but just kind of the real talk and the real nature of who he seems to be. There's something authentic about it, whether you like it or not. It is who mm -hmm. it, it's who he is. And you can trust it 100 percent of the time. And and yeah, I, like I can easily see one. Well, I mean, we see it now. The black vote kind of shifting and it doesn't have to shift much toward, you know, towards President Trump. Well, well, and but the Democrats have to do more. And, and one other place where they're losing the black vote is this gender stuff. Mm -hmm. the, the you know, well, if you want to be a woman, you're a woman. If you want to be a man, you're a man. Well, yeah, yeah, women yeah. Should, trans women should participate. They're, lo they're losing it there. Because yeah, that's not. Sean and and, and not, illegal immigration, I should say. Well, go ahead. They're not progressive. I mean, they're not, you know, they're Correct. not that progressive 100%. junk. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the black vote is something like 8% for Trump. If it goes to 12, he wins. Am I right? Yeah. Something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty much over uh, for yeah. Democrats if he gets there, because that yeah. is the coalition that holds them together in, in northern states. Yeah. 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 And I, I will say I, this is this I, if we go a little long, I'm sorry, but this is important. Uh, you know, I did some work in Michigan uh, on their on the map that they drew there. And the, the, what they did was they took like heavily black areas of Detroit and paired them with white liberal areas of like Oakland County. And all the almost all of the black candidates of choice ended up losing. 
And it was horribly racially polarized voting. And what what would happen is you would have these white women who would give like there's one race in particular for Senate in the 8th district where a white woman gave a huge speech on the floor about trans rights, uh, became like the darling of the progressive left. She got 96 percent of the white vote in that district and like 20 percent of the black vote. Yeah. Just a huge almost Mm -hmm. like Jim Crow split. Mm -hmm. And I just look at that and I'm like. On these social issues, like if you lean in on it, I'm not saying you're going to win a majority of black voters, but like you're going to alienate enough that it could really make a difference in these big cities. And again, I I, I want to emphasize my place. And this is my interpretation without being on the ground there. But I think it's a huge fault line that Democrats are not sufficiently aware of. And it's not going to take Democrats. much, by the way. It's not going to take a large percent. It will take yeah. a small percent. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. I'll take hope anywhere it appears. That's fine. I'll, I'll grab, <laughs> I'll grab it any straw. All right. Any final thoughts, uh, Sean? Been very generous. No, no. It's, I'm happy to do this. It, it's, it's. You know, it is January, and yep. if a week's a lifetime in politics, we got ten months until election day. Um, eleven months. Yeah. Um, so things will change, but. I mean, and, and we Trump, will reach out to you when they do change. I'm I mean, we'd like to do it. We'd like to do it every couple of months with you. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bill, I do have I do have one more question, if you don't mind, if, real, real real quick, Sean. Like one thing we've talked about on this show is that it seemed like the more like kind of political attacks that seem to come against President Trump, the stronger his support base grows. Is there any data to support that? That the more he's attacked, because I, I tend to think that he could he, he could be indicted, he could be convicted, he could be in jail, he'll still win. Is there any data to support the fact that the more he's attacked, the more that he his support seems to grow, even as people that just seems as political and tired of it? I think that's true. Um, if you look at if you look at his standing against DeSantis, like DeSantis was actually threatening Trump until Trump got indicted. Um, and yeah. then Trump starts to go up. And so even this this thing in Maine and Colorado I, I, I think that backfired because you just yeah. you just get the Republicans and MAGA types who, you know, maybe were like, ah, you know, he's I didn't wasn't that great about, you know, some doubts about January 6th and stuff like I'm not talking the hardcores. I'm talking, you know, people on the fence and that. But but all of a sudden, like you start trying to kick him off the ballot, put him in jail. It's like, is this America or not? Uh, yeah, so I think yeah. a lot of people okay. yeah. are turned off by this. Yeah. Okay. Go. Good. Thank great. You, All right, Sean, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Very clear and very helpful. And, uh, you said, you know, a week is, would you say a week is a year? In politics? <laughs> a week is a lifetime. So 11 months is like eternity. Well, I mean, you talk to you every week then. Okay. No, we, no, we, we won't do that. Thank you so much, Sean Trinity. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, let us know, um, uh, folks, what uh, what you think. Uh, who do, how do they how do they let us know what they think? Oh, just email podcast at gmail dot com. And by the way, right now we'll toss to that uh, segment you just did with uh, with uh, on Var- uh, Varney and Company on Fox Business. Yeah, my my question there was not about what's going on at Harvard, but has Harvard affected the whole culture? Mm-hmm. You know, the the DEI thing is. Maybe, you know, getting some attacks at Harvard, but has it already bled out into the wider society? Uh, my link there was the story that preceded me on that TV show, which was uh, teaching CRT to third, third, third graders. Mm-hmm. Craziness, madness.
Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and take a listen. Want to get back to Claudine Gay. As you know, she's resigned as president of Harvard University. Former Education Secretary Bill Bennett is with us this morning. Bill, you say her resignation shows, and I'm quoting now, the final corruption of the most elite institutions. What do you mean by that? Well, I think the corruption was her placing, being placed as president of Harvard University. Yep. Uh, but maybe the final corruption is this morning, Stuart. Apparently, the New York Times uh, piece she wrote uh, says that uh, racism did her in. Yep. Uh, how about 50 cases of plagiarism? Yep. Uh, how about her ambivalence about answering a question uh, about uh, Israel uh, and uh, is, is it a terrorist state? So, um, look, I, you know, uh, my question is this. Um, we know what the universities have become, uh, bastions of left-wing and leftist uh, propaganda. My question is, has it seeped into the rest of society? And your previous story you were talking about with Lauren, there you go, critical race theory. We were talking about that in colleges. Now we're talking about it in the third grade. So the question is, are the corruptions of the university bleeding into the broader society? You, you've seen it in the corporate world where they yeah. accept, you know, diversity, equity, inclusiveness. Uh, that's, uh, that's my question. Uh, if it were but, just left to the universities themselves, wouldn't be that much of a problem, at least not as big as if it goes into society at large. Do you really think we can change this? At the moment, it seems like it's the world turned upside down. That's the way I think about it. I think it's going to take a long time to, to get a serious change here. What do you say? It, it is going to take a long time. However, we see good signs uh, at the lower levels. Uh, homeschooling is increasing. Uh, there are a lot of parents, a lot of moms out there uh, objecting to what's going on in the, in the schools. We see charter schools growing uh, because they're not going to accept some of this stuff. This is a big fight, and it's a fight uh, about, the, about the morale of the American people and whether they'll stand up to the elites. Yeah. I think we are seeing some signs yeah. that they are standing up to the elites. And this is the turning point. Claudine Gay is the turning I point. I hope so. I, I hope so. But what lesson has she learned? What lesson has the New York Times learned? Apparently none. You know, she should go off in shame and in quiet and seek a retreat somewhere. Well, she's, Instead, she's, she's, she's broadcasting staying. and it was all racism. Well, but she's staying. Uh, yeah, if she's staying she's, and keeping her $900,000. Here's, here's a test. Oh, sure she should. Anybody with 50 charges of plagiarism that are supportable should go. Any, any student with that would have to go. What about a professor? Uh, here's the test, and, and you asked the right question, sir. Uh, if, your, if your son or daughter got into Harvard today, would you send them? And the answer in most cases probably is yes. Yes, it is. Uh, you would. Yes. Uh, and until people stop writing those checks, we will not have turned the corner. It's a bleak situation. But if you're telling me we may have just begun to turn the corner, there is hope for our academic and corporate institutions. I think there is. I wish we had more time, Bill Bennett. Well, How the American, we people are, American, pe American people are mad about it. They can do something about it. Thank you, Stuart. Yeah. More time next time, please. At least four minutes. Bill Bennett, yes, you're sir, all right. Please. Thanks very much indeed, sir. See you soon. Thanks. Well, that does it for today's show. 
catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to the BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at William J. Bennett, and like me on Facebook to search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Share the podcast with your family and friends, and we'll catch up next week. 